This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Today I'm joined by Naomi Ross from Sydney Design Social. Welcome. Hi, Brooke. We'll be discussing how to create Facebook and Instagram accounts for a business. Naomi owns Sydney Design Social, an agency that specialises in social media for the hospitality industry, and they've created and managed hundreds of social media accounts for their clients. We'll break this chat into two parts. The first is about what you need to consider before launching a Facebook or Instagram account, and then we'll talk through the process of actually creating them. If you already have social media accounts for a business and you're more interested in finding out how to grow them, then there will be another podcast episode dedicated to that coming out soon. So let's start at the very beginning. When you and your agency are approached by a client to create a social media channel for a new hospitality venue, I imagine there's a lot of work that goes into creating a strategy or proposal before you even start thinking about registering a name. Why is it important to do that groundwork before you even get cracking? It's important to do the groundwork before you set up your social media channels because the strategy really depends on a number of things. For example, Instagram might not be the correct platform for your audience. Uh, maybe the your target demographic isn't on both platforms. Um, so you really, really need to do the groundwork before you set up those accounts and begin posting and really look at the, the why and what you're, what you're wanting to achieve uh, with your social media presence. And if one of the listeners does need to uh, do a strategy for their client or their business, what are the different elements that need to be included in that strategy document? Normally, we would start off with content pillars. We would look at a platform strategy. So I just mentioned working out whether Facebook, Instagram or both platforms is the way to go. We would look at a hashtag strategy. Sorry, just to stop and go back, content pillars. Can you give me a little bit of a, a rundown of what content pillars are? Sure. Um, I might use an example, like a venue as an mm-hmm. example, so a pub. So the content pillars for a pub would be the things which they want to push or talk about on their channels. So for a pub in Surrey Hills, for example, um, they might want to push their menu, they might want to push uh, their drink offering, but they might also have weekly events as well, for example, trivia and bingo. That those three elements mm. would be content pillars. Um, for and the like exam- functions or something like Correct. that would be a fourth one. Correct. Yep. And, and the example that I'm thinking of is a dog-friendly pub. So for that venue, another one of their content pillars uh, is dogs and community. So it doesn't necessarily just have to be around what you're trying to push. It's what you want your brand to be known for. Um, it's important to work out what those content pillars are because you need to be able to have that content and have those images or have that videography or or videos Mm. on file so that you can schedule and post that content. And I think linking back to PR, that's really where that does tie into the key messages that you would be putting together as a PR on behalf of your product or your venue or your client, because those key messages will dictate what are the most important messages for you as a PR to communicate to a media about, let's say, a venue. Um, And then that then obviously ties in with the social media as well. So there's definitely some some flow between those two things. Absolutely. PR and social media really need to work um, hand in hand. And alongside of that as well, um, we look at the website, uh, which Mm. is another one of your digital assets. If the messaging is different on all of those things, if the PR agency is going out saying one thing, your social media is speaking in a different way, and then you go to the website and it's, you know, saying neither of those things, as as a client or a guest, not only are you going to be confused, you're just kind of going to walk away not knowing what you're meant mm. to think. And the same thing is if your website's a bit crappy, if you're spending all this time and energy on doing PR and, and having social media, whether you're managing it yourself as kind of a joint responsibility as a PR, whether you're using a social media agency, if your website is looking crappy, then you're directing people towards this asset that isn't going to continue 
engaging them. You know, they might see a beautiful image on social media, they click through to the website and there's a crappy website and they think, oh, hang on a second, this isn't very good. I'm not going to continue down this track. Um, okay, so back to the strategy. We've got a little bit off track there. Uh, what are some of the other components outside of content pillars? What's the next thing that you should probably include in there? Once you've worked out what you're going to be posting, you then look at the platform strategy. So whether you're going to be posting on Facebook and Instagram, one or the other or both. We'll also look at a hashtag strategy and then um, fortnightly or monthly post structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we can uh, ensure that we've got the content ready to post, as we'd mentioned. Um, and then the next step would be that paid strategy. So we'd look at a recommended um, monthly budget and potentially a, bro- a breakdown of your target audience. And is it part of the strategy component to think about the brand kind of tone of voice and the language and that kind of thing? Because I imagine that's an important element of it because how a brand is communicated on a website or via PR may be quite different to social media. You might adopt quite a uh, a more frivolous, fun tone for social media. So that has to be factored in? It does. It does. Mm, Okay. And so how much detail has to go into formulating that? that brand and tone of voice do you in a, in a strategy do you kind of go through and articulate right well um if it were a person this is the kind of attributes that brand would have this is the kind of language they would use almost down to the point of what is the name of this person what is the name of this brand what do they look like how do they sound what types of words do they use what types of words do they not use um and that would be for example maybe they always use the word uh, bookings and group gatherings as opposed to using the word functions yeah so it's quite specific Mm -hmm. um and that then would also link or tie in with the pr tone Mm. um, and the types of words that you would use in that pr um PR release. So if, and I, you know, I would gather that the majority of people listening to this episode are PRs that have this dual responsibility of maybe being a PR coordinator um, and doing some social media as well, then I would recommend that you do everything properly from from the scratch. So doing that that um, that tone of voice and, kind of, and developing that. So when it does come to, um, well, A, you've got to get that strategy approved by someone, yep. your manager or, or a, a client. Um, and then when you start to execute, you need to make sure you've addressed all those things in advance. Do you include goals or should, should a, a PR include goals in that in terms of, right, well, in three months' time, we want to grow to 2,000? We do. Followers we or, do. And what um, kind of goals should someone think about setting if, if they're putting together a strategy? When we're speaking with our clients and working on a strategy, the first question I ask them is, what are your business goals? I could go and create all of these amazing social media goals, which I think are going to make us look really, really good. Mm. Um, you know, things like a whole bunch of likes, a whole, uh, you know, like maybe grow the, grow the Facebook page by 2,000 likes within X. But from a business point of view, um, is that the most important thing for them? Probably not. From a business's point of view, maybe they want to um, increase uh, bookings midweek. So once we've got that information and we've had that initial uh, conversation with our client, we would then write down, okay, well, here is the business goals and and what the business is trying to achieve. Maybe it's in a three-month period. Um, we would then look at, okay, well, how does that convert into a social media goal? Um, for us, we've just mentioned the midweek bookings. Okay, well, that might be we have an offer on a Wednesday night. Maybe it's a, um, a, a pasta and wine. And on the website then, we might have a, um, a what's on page with uh, information and, and a book now button. Mm. So what we're able to do is on our um, in our Facebook strategy or an Instagram strategy, we can post um, post about that midweek offer. We can maybe put a little bit of budget behind it so that it goes out to the right people. And then we can actually track how many people have clicked through on that ad, visited the website, and then made a booking as well. So we can see quite clearly um, 
whether somebody has mm. engaged and taken notice of a particular post. So really, I mean, I guess establishing those goals would be at the top, you know, having that chat with your manager or, or with the client and going, all right, what is it that you want to achieve? And then Correct. once you've done that, then you can kind of frame those other elements around that. Once you have pulled together that strategy document that's been approved by your manager or your client, what's the next step? If you don't have the social channels created, the next step is creating those social channels. And I imagine they're quite easy to do. Absolutely. Um, Facebook and Instagram, very, very big companies, as we all know, and the help section on those sites is fantastic. One thing we haven't really spoken about is the name for your social media accounts. Is it important to have exactly the same handle and, and handle is what is considered the name for a you know Facebook or Instagram account? Is that important to be... In, in the perfect world, they would be the same. We live in a world where there are millions and millions and millions of accounts created both on Facebook and Instagram. So the likelihood of you being able to get exactly what you want for both those platforms and then being exactly the same mm. um, is small. You should definitely try and do it. If you've got a client um, who's maybe a broad name, um, which which has been taken, you could possibly add location to the end of that. Mm. So, um, you know, add SYD for Sydney, for Sydney. or AU for Australia. AU for Australia. And mm-hmm. then typically then those, those are then available uh, both on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And if you can't get it or you can get one of them that is the perfect handle and the other one is not as perfect. So let's say... It's a hospitality venue and you get the name of the pub is the best pub and you can get at the best pub on Instagram, but you can't get that on Facebook. Would you just suggest adding the location to the end of that? I would suggest adding the location. Keeping keeping the perfect one and then slightly altering the other one. Yeah, it really depends on which platform is going to be your primary platform. So if um, for the best pub, we know that Instagram is going to be where the majority of our clientele are going to be and we really, really want to push Instagram and we know that we want to use that handle maybe on menus, maybe we want to use that handle um, on posters around the venue, put it up on um, blackboards, I would say then, yes, use that perfect one on Instagram and maybe just add the location um, to Facebook. But if if it's kind of similar, then I would try and use use uh, the same for both. Okay. And in terms of business accounts, so I know on Instagram you can set up Instagram and Instagram for business. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And the is it the same for Facebook? What should you be setting up business accounts if you have business? What's how do you how does that work for Insta and Facebook? Absolutely. Um, so on Instagram, you've got the choice of a personal or a business account. The main difference between these are going to be the analytics that are available to you. And, and then the advertising options. Uh, for Facebook, it's you can have a personal account for your personal page then you, and, and a business account as well. Um, within that business account, there are different types of accounts you can have. Um, for example, it might be a physical shop or it might be an online store. You're asked those questions when you set up that account um, and you simply just follow, follow the prompts. And do you have to – so I remember reading something and it probably was a couple of years ago now – do you have to have a certain number of likes or engagement with a Facebook page for it to be business or is that something that used to exist a while ago? They change, I believe they changed that a few years ago. Right. Um, you, you can set up uh, a business account from, from scratch. scratch. Great. Correct. Okay. So content obviously is a really key part of putting together your social media strategy and um, – I imagine there's a couple of different ways to look at it. One is maybe looking at the broader campaign focuses. So, you know, let's say if it is a a pub, there's Mother's Day, there's Father's Day, there's certain things that you know will be happening throughout the year that that venue is going to engage with. And then obviously there's the the more specific day-to-day content in between that. 
how do you start planning out content for a client? We like to look months in advance. So we'll do a broad uh, six-month or 12-month general content calendar, and that would just be plotting out the dates, as you've said, so your Mother's Day, your Father's Day. Um, if we were a pub, for example, mm-hmm. um, and one of our content pillars might be our dogs, as I'd mentioned earlier, um, maybe those days around bring your dog to work day, sure. for example, mm-hmm. might be on that calendar too. So you would you would not only just look at those more general ones, but then also the campaign or venue-specific ones as well. Yep. Um, from that, you would then work out uh, what photography you would need, mm-hmm. um, keeping in mind seasonal photography, um, and then the broader the broader content pillars, like we'd mentioned earlier, for example, functions. So you would need to you would want to make sure that you've got imagery. Uh, to be able to promote a function or a group booking or people having a, you know, a drink with a group of friends after work. Mm. And imagery really is so important when it comes to Facebook and Instagram. So we've got a whole episode dedicated to that. So keep an eye on that one coming out. Um, The other thing you can also do is a pre-launch campaign strategy. Let's say again, for the sake of a an example, we've got a pub launching. It doesn't have to start just the day that the pub opens. You can do a bit of build up in the couple of weeks or a couple of months in advance of that. If you are going to be doing that for a client, what kind of things should you be considering as to whether that is something that you should be doing or not? I would be looking at the um, pre-launch strategy alongside the PR strategy, knowing the lovely Brooke as I do. Um, <laughs> I would always be making sure that if we are working on a social media strategy, putting out any messaging before uh, before launch that it is 100% in line with what she or her colleagues are wanting to put out. Mm. Um, the reason for this is we don't want to be talking about a venue, the venue's opening, a pub's opening, putting out a whole beautiful picture of what the, the new dining room or the new renovations look like um, and then almost scuppering any chance of media coverage or correct yeah. correct yep. so that's something which we um always keep in the front of our mind what instagram and facebook are great for though are showing those more informal moments stories on both facebook and instagram have been out for a couple of years now and they're only growing in popularity um there's a lot more engagement on those stories and it's something which facebook and instagram want to build and want want to grow so they prefer to give that content to users um, Mm. over other forms of content so what that means is if you're renovating for example you know showing those sneak peek images as instagram stories um, they can be a bit more rough and ready because it's not going to go on your feed they're just going to go up in the story section Um, you could then highlight them so when you go to the the Instagram page at the top section, there are the round circles. Um, so you can pin different highlights and stuff to that section so you can come back and visit it. Uh, so the page itself can be a little bit more organic than a, than your strict structured curated feed, which you might um, start or begin once your venue is launched. The other thing which um, a pre-launch strategy is, is really good for is uh, capturing data before you open. Why, why do you want to do this? Data is one of the most important things as a marketer. Um, not only is it great for us to have an email address to be able to send an EDM, but it also means that we can upload those databases into Facebook and target those people through Facebook advertising. So for us being able to capture somebody's details and capture their email address, if they're interested in knowing when a venue opens or knowing more information about that venue or being one of the first people to receive the the new menu um, once it opens or an invite to the launch event, for example, um, then, yeah, encourage them to sign up. Encourage them with a post on Facebook and Instagram. Have a link back to the website, which captures their data. And then, you know what that's great for? Sending out an EDM at launch. Yeah. 
And I think people will probably ask the question of, you know, how often should I be posting? But I think the answer to that would probably come back to, it depends how much content you have. You know, like if, again, uh, for the example of using a, a pub or a venue launching, you can only post so many pictures of a dining room being sanded down or a or a bar being constructed so if you have content and and images then great you can probably do as many as you feel as relevant but if not then maybe you're just doing once a week or once a fortnight or something in a couple of weeks prior is that a fair thing yeah that's that's correct um definitely don't oversaturate the audience because you'll bore them before the venue launches yeah but if you've got something to say if you've got something to show if you've got if if you've got an image or a video of or a time lapse of, of something happening which you think is going to engage your followers absolutely pop that up um but yeah don't do it just for the sake of it in terms of planning your content calendars out um so obviously you plan it inside your agency then you would send it off to clients so if, you know in this case it probably is prs that are planning it um and running it past their manager or potentially their client what program do you plan and plot them in excel and then um and then provide them for approval past a past where you need to run them by or we currently do it in either word or excel um the platforms that we use uh to schedule to Mm -hmm. schedule our posts um of which there are a couple out there um you may have heard the likes of hootsuite agora pulse uh they also have the capabilities a lot of the time to to put those posts in as drafts right um and there are some really cost-effective options as well out there, and I would recommend looking looking at some of those. But you don't necessarily need to, as you'd mentioned, you can do that in um, in Word or Excel, create a PDF, uh, and send it over. And so, why do you, why do you do it in Word or Excel versus using a program? Do you find it's easier to use, or at the moment, um, yes, it's easy to use, and it also gives the team the flexibility um, that they need. Uh, when working on a large volume of accounts and it's also stops them getting bogged down in community management or Mm. um, getting distracted it's like okay well I'm going to spend four hours writing content you sit down you do it you send it over and you get it you get it approved and so you include the exact copy in this and the hashtags and the exact image so when you send something off to be approved it is exactly what it's going to say because the the your manager or the client or whoever you're running it past has to approve that letter by letter, word for word. We do, yes. Yeah. And do you also put it together, let's say, in a scheduling app? So the way that we would generally work is we'd work on a general calendar, mm-hmm. um, which would be very much a calendar format. Mm-hmm. So these are the things coming up. Um, once that's approved, we would then look at, okay, let's look at the next month, months mm-hmm. of content. Um, sometimes, depending on the way that the individual managers work, some of them might have written, um, you know, maybe one of the content pillars is functions. Uh, we know that we really, really need to push those early, those uh, Wednesday bookings, but also, um, you know, you large group bookings on a Saturday. They might then just do a brain dump of 15, 20 different ways to write essentially what, what is the same message yeah. over and over again, but in a different way, sounding creative, but it's almost 15 different ways to, with to say the same thing. Say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've kind of done that brainstorming and done that brain dump, the team will then generally move over either into Facebook directly or a third-party scheduling tool, for example, Agora Pulse, which is what we use, um, or it might be the likes of Hootsuite. Yep. And at that stage, uh, we would generally then write the post word for word as it's going to be, use the image that we are proposing, include the hashtags. Um, so refer back to a hashtag strategy, which we would have decided and had signed off already, um, and then screenshot those and send them over to our clients for approval. Mm, okay. So on hashtags, 
why should you use them? What value do they add? I don't really know much about them, to be honest. Hashtags are fantastic. It's almost like um, a search tool, really, right. and that's and that's the way that's the best way that I can describe them. You can use hashtags in a really general sense, um, and I'm going to use the the pub again. So. A really general hashtag for a pub would be hashtag pub. Mm-hmm. A little bit more narrow would be hashtag Sydney pub. A little bit more narrow again would be hashtag Surrey Hills pub. Mm-hmm. That's just three um, hashtags which are all about a pub but getting more and more and more specific. Um, you, you could then drill down even further into that and that would be, for example, um, the name of the pub. So it would be hashtag and the actual brand name. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be... Uh, campaign driven so it might be hashtag mother's day if you're doing a a campaign around mother's day um the way that hashtags work is that yes you can use them to search and find um, a piece of content but also facebook and instagram then read those hashtags and go okay well naomi's really really interested in pubs i'm going to feed her in the discovery in the discovery section of instagram images which have hashtag pub hashtag surrey hills pub stuff like that so do people actually search? Because I, I, you know, perhaps this is indicative of my age and I'm in my 30s, <laughs> but do people search? They, they would they, they would search hashtag Sydney pub and they'll see what comes up and they might go, oh, well, that looks great, or hashtag they do. beach towel or it's whatever It's probably it more specific. So, um, for example, if we think of a tourist coming, mm-hmm. um, they're coming to Surrey Hills or they're coming to Sydney and they, they've heard about this great place called Surrey Hills. They would literally look at the location, the location tag, mm-hmm. um, or possibly the hashtag mm. um, of that location, and from that the feed would come up with, with everything with that it's hashtag tagged into it. So when you're creating hashtags for your for your brand or your product or whatever it is that you uh, you know have created a social media account for, should your hashtags range from the broader pub down to? the the narrow and 100% or should you just focus on the narrow or you want to no, be picked I think up by it's, or... it's it's um in a similar way to uh when you're choosing your demographics or when you're doing the broader marketing you don't want to get so 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 niche that nobody that nobody finds it right um if you were talking about a whiskey bar you wouldn't want to go in and just use one specific brand or type of whiskey on its own you would then combine that with hashtag whiskey bar hashtag um whiskey lovers of ig for example mm-hmm. um there are quite a lot of really really good apps and programs out there if you just just go onto google and type it in um there are a whole heap of apps and programs which you can find which talk not only talk about hashtags but also talk about the most popular hashtags that are trending for example so you might want to include one of those trending hashtags which are um which have been really really popular over the past you know, day, week, month, mm. um, so that you come up in those results as well. And how many should you have? Is there a rough guide on how many to, to there use? Are, there are a couple of different schools of thought. Generally, we use between five and ten, depending on the post itself and depending what's relevant. Um, we would never use something which isn't relevant for that post. So just say even if we were a whiskey bar, if we were showing a picture of food, for example, we wouldn't necessarily type in whiskey bar. We would concentrate on the food element. So you just don't copy and paste them. You need to adapt them per adapt post. Them. I'm sure there's some that will remain the same and yeah. others that you need to tweak. And and the branded ones, like the venue name, for example, maybe the location, they could stay the same uh, consistently, but then everything else should really change post on post. And when it comes to how that post looks when it goes live in Instagram or Facebook. I certainly know in Instagram that you can kind of add a couple of spaces. So you might have a line of of copy and then quite often 
you'll if you actually click on the post you'll see there's three lines that are blank and then there'll be hashtags what's the benefit of doing something like that the benefit of doing the either the dots or the gaps and then the hashtags in the bottom is really just a visual thing. The other way to do it is putting the hashtags in as a first comment on the post. I've actually read quite a bit around this the last couple of months because we've had clients ask exactly exactly that. Mm. It really just does come down to preference. Um, There's no kind of engagement difference no, between from, them? No, from the articles that I've read, um, they're very, very similar. Um, the difference is is negligible. Right. So it's just really it's just purely down to aesthetics. Correct. Okay, so once you've got your social media channels launched, it's important to review whether they're achieving the goals you had originally set out. Plus, are they actually engaging with your audience? And this is more difficult to do when you still have a small number of followers. But that aside, when should you start reviewing and having a look back over your posts and working out whether things are engaging or not? When we first start with a with a new brand, we like to be overcautious, if anything. Um, and and by that I mean I would be looking at those posts daily, seeing um, what the engagement's like, seeing whether people are commenting on them, seeing whether there's any negative reactions, for example. Um, I would be ensuring that uh, you check that content daily to see how it's going. After a week or two, you'll start to see some trends. At the very beginning, it's going to be difficult when you don't have a following. And if, you, if you're not spending money on posts, not many people will be seeing, will be seeing those. With that being said, um, you still you're still able to tell uh, in those first couple of days. Mm, okay. So, what are some of the biggest mistakes you think can be made when you're establishing those social media channels? Going out there without a plan mm. is the big one. So, setting them up, starting to talk about a brand, for example, and um, and just talking in an unprofessional manner, or maybe you're talking in a really colloquial way, and you're very casual. But then when you actually go to the venue itself, it's, you know, really sophisticated and it's high end and, you know, they're asking 40 or 50 or $60 a head. Um, but then when you go back and have a look at the Facebook channel that's been set up, it's talking in a really different tone mm. of voice. So that's really the biggest one, um, in my opinion. It's just having that strategy done and make sure you forward think all of those things when you do start to execute you're executing in line with that brand Correct. versus what you feel that, you know, it might be um, important to do. So I guess then that kind of ties into the top tips to creating successful engaged accounts. Your top tip is to have a strategy. Have a strategy and know your audience. Yeah. Um, defining who it is that's going to be engaging with with your brand um, or your product is the biggest thing. And then creating content that resonates with them, asking them questions, um, being genuine and, and honest and actually caring as opposed to just going out there and blasting mm. a message um, and then if there is any feedback, if there are negative reviews, take that on board, um, you know, engage, interact, listen, don't just use Facebook and Instagram as a platform to scream or talk about yourself. Mm. Um, use it as an opportunity to hear what people want or need from you or your venue. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brooke. I think it's been a great analysis of how to kickstart your social media accounts. Um, and there will be another episode on actually managing those accounts on a day-to-day basis. So make sure you check out that one too. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.